0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, joined once again by my miraculous wife, Sue.
1: Oh, well thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Miraculous.
1: That's a good adjective.
0: It's different. So here we are, July 1st, this is going up, and of course we are just a couple of days away from the july 4th holiday so what more appropriate movie to talk about for this podcast than
1: independence day
0: independence day a great fun popcorn action movie
1: i love this movie this movie is gonna
0: be 20 years old next year stop it yeah independence day released july 3rd 1996
1: wow it doesn't seem that long ago
0: i know it's it's really
1: wasn't 96 just like you know maybe seven or eight years ago
0: yeah no it's almost 20 years ago wow (laughs) Uh, The movie was directed by Roland Emmerich, written by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich in four weeks. Whoa. It was sent out on a Thursday. They started fielding offers the very next day, and by Monday, they were in pre-production. So this one uh, got snatched up pretty quick by the uh, the movie studio.
1: Yeah, I think they saw a winner there, huh?
0: Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What's going to be bad about uh, alien invasion Mm -hmm. and uh, Americans just kicking ass? That's right. This movie stars Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, Judd Hirsch, Robert Loggia, Randy Quaid, and Vivica A. Fox. Now, Will Smith had done other things before this. Bad Boys with Martin Lawrence was the year before this. But this movie was definitely the movie that made him a, a movie star, for oh, sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. And then he followed it up with Men in Black, like, a year later. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which was which was actually interesting, because it was two alien movies, back-to-back, mm-hmm. on July 4th weekend.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. They filmed from July to November 1995, an estimated budget of $75 million.
1: Well, all right. Aliens, they don't work for scale.
0: No. Yeah, they're divas. That's right. Kind of like the (laughs) T-Rexes. That's right. (laughs) Except they don't have short arms.
1: No, they have very long arms and long fingers.
0: By the way, what we're doing right now is a callback to the Jurassic Park episode. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. Yeah, check it out. It's really good. (laughs) $24 24 million dollars of the budget was spent on advertising, 1.3 million of that for the trailer that was shown during the Super Bowl.
1: It made 50 million opening weekend and went on to gross over 306 million in the US and over 817 million worldwide. It was the highest grossing film of 1996. That's
0: a lot of dinero.
1: That's right.
0: Not De Niro, a lot of dinero. De, Niro. De Niro. <laughs> he That would have it. been a different movie. Yeah, he wasn't in this movie. Are you landing on my planet? Are, <laughs> are you, you landing on my planet? Are you invading me? You invading me? That's a little disrespectful. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Uh, So it won an Oscar for Best Visual Effects and was nominated for Best Sound. I believe it. Yeah, understandably so.
1: It also won a Grammy for Best Instrumental Composition Written for a Motion Picture or for Television. Ah. Along with Anatomy of a Murder in 1959, Crimson Tide in 1995, and The Dark Knight in 2008, this film score won the Grammy despite not being nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Score.
0: Interestingly, too... This movie has something else in common with Crimson Tide. The interior shots that were done in the submarine were the same set used in Crimson Tide and Down Periscope. And the uh, White House interiors were previously made the year before for the American president. Mm -hmm. And were also used in Mars Attacks and Nixon.
1: That's right.
0: So some recycled sets because, you know. You got to
1: keep those production budgets down. 75 million does not go that far. (laughs)
0: Apparently not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) According to producer and co-writer Dean Devlin, the U.S. military had agreed to support the film by allowing the crew to film at military bases. However, after learning of the Area 51 references in the script, they withdrew their support.
0: So consequently, all of the F-18 fighters, they're all fake. They're either digital or wood models or full-scale wood creations. Right, right. So anytime you see a fighter jet flying in this movie, it's digitally created. That's amazing. It really is. Yeah. In fact, the only real plane that flies in this movie is the, uh, the crop dusting biplane that Randy Quaid flies.
1: Oh, right. When he dusts the wrong field. Yep. The scene in which Will Smith drags the unconscious alien across the desert was filmed on the Salt Flats near Great Salt Lake in Utah. Mm-hmm. I love this scene. Smithline, line and what the hell is that smell it was unscripted great salt lake is home to tiny crustaceans called brine shrimp when they die the bodies sink to the bottom of the lake and decompose when the wind kicks up just right you can imagine how bad the smell of millions of decaying brine shrimp can be well apparently nobody warned will
0: yeah brine shrimp by the way fun fact for you oh. are sea monkeys remember those
1: i do i was never allowed to have them <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe your parents knew
0: what they would smell like when they died.
1: Yeah, maybe. Wasn't it if you saved up enough like cereal box parts or something and you sent them in?
0: Yeah, and then you're like Badger from Better Off Day. Another callback. Oh my gosh. The kid's on fire.
1: Oh. (laughs) Either that or I think I saw them in like the the ads for them in the back of comic books.
0: Yeah. Wherever kids could read that, they they would play it probably. Uh, another interesting thing about the salt flats—they did a lot of uh, breaking of records on those salt flats. That's oh, where that's they right. the speed on records, speed records, like the there, rocket cars yeah. and stuff, because it's so wide open and, and right, flat.
1: Right. I could only imagine you need a lot of sunscreen there, though. There's yeah. No shade. It's like wide open. All that base is—it looks white from the salt. So, could you imagine how hot and the, like the reflection of the sun and everything? Mm-hmm.
0: In fact, uh, a lot of the actors actually got sunburned up their pants. They were wearing <laughs> long pants. <laughs> And the crew too. Yeah. And the, the the sun was reflecting off the salt flats oh. so hot and so well it actually burned their legs. Wow. Amazing, right? You don't
1: need patent leather shoes to reflect up for that. Nope. No. <laughs>
0: Producer Dean Devlin said that well over half of the dialogue in the scenes that uh, Jeff Goldblum shared with Judd Hirsch and Will Smith was improvised.
1: I like when he shows up, um, he rides his bike over to his dad's place, you know, and he says, can I borrow the car? You, go, yeah. you need the car. You don't have a driver's license, mm. you know, and they have their little, it's just, it's very natural sounding. They
0: had a good rapport, the two of them. Yeah. So the, uh, the famous speech by the president, the speech was filmed on August 6, 1995 in front of an old airplane hangar. Now this hangar actually once housed was the Enola Gay, which was the airplane that dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima exactly 50 years earlier on August 6th, 1945. Wow. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah.
1: The last sentence of the president's speech was not in the original script. It was added at the last minute for dramatic effect in an effort to convince 20th Century Fox not to avoid a legal battle to earn the right to name the film Independence Day. In fact, the abbreviation ID4 was created because of legal problems with the title Independence Day. Before 20th Century Fox reached a deal with Warner Brothers for the rights to the title, they suggested the film be called Invasion or Sky on Fire, among other titles.
0: You know, I have a feeling that if the, the film was named Invasion or Sky on Fire or whatever else they came mm-hmm. up with, it probably wouldn't have been as successful. I think the fact that it's called Independence Day mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, hoorah, America and all that, I think that really adds to the appeal of the movie. I do too. too. Absolutely. So there's you know, always scenes in the movies that we that we talk about that really stand out and people remember. Of course you mentioned the scene where Will Smith is dragging the alien. Oh, I you know, love that in his parachute. I
1: love that. I could have been in a barbecue.
0: Before that happens, there's the big dog fight, and they're flying through the Grand Canyon. They crash, mm-hmm. and then when he opens up the spacecraft to reveal the alien, <laughs> that's right. He punches the alien. Yeah, once. Once. The alien is knocked out cold.
1: That's some punch.
0: Or the alien has a glass jaw. Either, I'm not sure. either way. <laughs> Both.
1: But then you learn later on that the body of the alien that you're seeing is like an exoskeleton thing.
0: Right. It's protected.
1: The smaller alien inside.
0: Right. So it would almost be like punching a football player with his helmet on. Like, yeah. How would it really hurt? Just one of probably many plot holes in this movie. What? All right. There's actually another one, which I'll mention now, too. Um, later in the movie, the actors all end up at uh, Area 51. Right. And at some point, one of the soldiers runs up and brings a Bible and a yarmulke to Judd <laughs> Hirsch so uh-huh. he can pray. Right. Right? right. And, it, and it dawned on me, where the hell did they get a yarmulke and a Bible at Area 51? I
1: don't know. Apparently. Maybe someone had it in a locker somewhere or something. Either that or one of
0: the aliens was Jewish.
1: Well, that's true.
0: I guess when you're in the in the midst of the movie and you're enjoying it, you maybe are not, are not thinking about it. Right. But it is kind of funny when you look back and you find stuff like well,
1: that. Well, also, you wonder how um, Jasmine runs, you know, she's in that, the tunnel, and then she finds that door to kick in and go hide, and the fireball's coming down, and right. the dog just makes it. <laughs> but, I mean, technically speaking... You know, that wouldn't be enough to keep them alive.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all... You know, so
1: it's a little suspension of disbelief here. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And by yeah. the way, that is the most well-behaved dog ever. Love that dog.
1: Oh, uh, dog's Boomer. the best. Boomer. Boomer. good boy.
0: Yeah. According to the liner notes from the complete score by David Arnold, the drum rhythm that's heard during the invasion scenes near the beginning of the film is actually Morse code for the letters D-I-E.
1: Nice. Ooh. Well, later, um, when the president says to the alien, what is it you want? That's all he says is, D-. die. Yeah,
0: when he's talking through... Uh, data. Bre- yeah, data. <laughs> Brent Spiner. That's it, yeah, data. Yeah. Nowadays, when they make movies like this, there's a lot of special effects, and obviously most of them are done digitally after they, they film right? with CGI. This particular movie holds the record for the most miniature model work to appear in one film. Model shop supervisor Michael Joyce estimated that more miniatures were used for this film than in any other two films combined. Now, due to the advances in digital technology since this film came out, most experts think that this record is going to stand forever, and that's probably the case. I believe it. There was plenty of digital work done in this movie as well.
1: Right, but there's so many locations that they had to show. I mean, they had all of D.C., they had the White House, they had New York City. I love um, when the Statue of Liberty is lying on its side. With yeah. the spaceship over it, because the Statue of Liberty was a model at that point. Right? Oh, yeah, of yeah. course.
0: Yeah. And that's in the amazing. back, you know, that's an interesting scene, too, because in the background of that scene, you see, you know, it, it's close up of the uh, fallen Statue of Liberty. But in the background, it's kind of freaky. There's a shot of the burning Twin Towers. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know, it's so weird. Every time you watch a movie that came out before 9-11... To see the Twin Towers, because every movie that was ever shot in New York, there's always at least one scene, one shot of right. the Twin Towers. Right,
1: they were so iconic. Yeah. You know, but whenever I see it, it makes me feel sad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, they blow up the, uh, the Empire State Building in this movie. Yeah. Speaking of models...
1: The White House, which exploded, was built at one twelfth 12th scale. Nine cameras filmed the explosion at various speeds, one of which was 12 times faster than normal, then played back at normal speed to make the explosion seem larger and slower on film.
0: They built uh, a couple of sets to replicate the White House, but at no time was the actual White House used in this movie, right. I'm pretty sure. Pretty smart. Even the scenes where they're evacuating the White House, mm-hmm. where they show the helicopter and kind of the door, that was yeah. just, you know, a small part of the... White House recreated yeah and as yeah. we mentioned before uh, all the interior shots done in the White House the Oval Office etc were all uh, sets that were used in other movies That's prior right. so uh, the film was actually banned in Lebanon. Uh, because it included scenes where Israeli and Iraqi soldiers joined forces. Now, for the last few decades, Lebanon officially boycotts any form of entertainment that features Israelis too. Interesting. That was the one thing about this movie. You talk about far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, God forbid, this ever happened. Do you think there's uh, there's aliens out there?
1: I don't know. It's a big universe. You uh, it, never know.
0: It does seem pretty naive to think that uh, we are the only life forms in the entire universe.
1: That would be, yeah.
0: I mean, I would hope that if the world's destruction was was on the line, that would really happen, that the world's military forces and, and people would join together in that way.
1: You'd think for their survival, if you were going to die or have to fight with, you know, your sworn enemy, what would you choose?
0: There are some stubborn people in this world.
1: I guess so. <laughs> And they all live in Lebanon.
0: I think we all have people that we dislike. I can honestly say there's nobody that I dislike so much that I would literally kill myself to avoid... And uh, the planet. Yeah, exactly. So Jeff Goldblum once again plays a great, for lack of a better term, nerdy character. You know, he's really super smart. Very similar to the character he plays in another movie we've talked about. Jurassic Park. In fact, there's a line that he uses... In both movies. That's right. Uh, in Jurassic Park, it's when he, they're trying to get away from the T-Rex. In this movie, when Will Smith and he are in the alien spacecraft trying to fly away trying from, you know, trying to escape. Before it blows up. Yeah. He says the same line, must go faster, must go faster.
1: Now, I've heard that that was actually his recorded line from Jurassic Park. So when it came up to watching that and seeing it, I wanted to see how it worked. But they didn't show him saying it.
0: Right, it was off camera.
1: It was off camera, so it could have been.
0: Well, here's what I'm thinking. It probably would be easier for the, him to just say the line again. No we'll problem, Because if, yeah. if they want to use the recorded version of it, they got to go and get permission from Spielberg and the, and Universal and this and that. Mm, true. So it, it, it could be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like it would be very labor intensive and, co- and cost ineffective.
1: Is it live or is it Memorax? Only Jeff yeah. Goldblum knows.
0: Exactly. Yeah, if, if I ever have Jeff Goldblum on the uh, on the podcast, mm-hmm. I'll ask him. That's
1: true. And if you have John Cusack, maybe you can talk about Better Off Dead.
0: That's right. Oh, man, we are just doing callbacks galore here today. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I think the chances of me having either one of those guys on this podcast are probably slimmer than an alien invasion of the United States oh. and the world.
1: Oh. <laughs> Did you know that over 70 mock news broadcasts were created for the film? I do now. You do now? Yeah. It- So that's got to include all of the ones that they were showing being filmed live Mm -hmm. and all the ones on the TV sets Mm -hmm. all over the world.
0: Yep. Actors get their motivation in different ways. And two of the actors had some interesting uh, ways of getting into character. Robert Loggia... Uh, modeled his performance of General Gray after the real-life General Patton.
1: Okay, I could see and that. And out of his
0: respect for uh, the military forces. He's so believable. Yeah, he's great. He's <laughs> just he's just a great, like, gruff kind of guy. Oh, Everything that he's in. Yeah.
1: And Bill Pullman used the memory of a decayed tooth which was pulled from his mouth in order to come up with a terrified expression when speaking with the alien invaders. <laughs>
0: That's, that's a very interesting uh, correlation there.
1: That is. So I guess basically what he was thinking was that, gee, talking to these aliens is like pulling teeth. Hey-oh! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when Will Smith enters the squadron locker room, uh, the extras, all the pilots are watching TV, they were real pilots. They were a Marine Corps F-18 training squadron.
1: Oh, that's cool. So they didn't have to be costumed.
0: No, I guess they were just wearing their regular uniforms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't he come in and say something like, don't, don't you gentlemen have something better to do?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and Will Smith's squadron were stationed at the El Toro Air Base. It's the same name as the air base from which the flying wing bomber flew out to drop the A-bomb on the Martians in the movie War of the Worlds. El Toro Marine Corps Air Station was a real air base in Orange County, California from 1943 until its decommissioning in 1999. You know, one of the other great characters uh, in the movie was the one that Harry Connick Jr. plays. He's not in the movie for a really long time, but he's very memorable. Mm Mm-hmm. Kick the tires and light the fires. That's right. He was actually really good in this movie. Yeah. This is the second movie, by the way, that he plays a pilot in, too. He was uh, what also What was the first? He was in the movie Memphis Bell as well, oh. which is based on a true story. I think he was a pilot in that. If he wasn't a pilot, he was a gunner or something, but he was he was definitely in that movie.
1: Was that the one while well, uh Greece by gear on coming in for landing on um in Living Color? Probably. <laughs> nice. Well, Dean Devlin, who served as the second unit director and directed the close-up shots of the actors in the F-18 cockpits, let Harry Connick Jr. improvise several takes while doing impressions of various celebrities. His impression of Reverend Jesse Jackson is included in the film.
0: It's pretty good stuff, too. It's pretty good. I yeah. would have
1: loved to see the other ones, too. Yeah,
0: me too. I wonder if uh, they're out there somewhere. I wonder.
1: Well, you know when you have Harry Connick Jr. in, he can do them for you.
0: Yeah. I don't know if he can fit me in. Well, actually, American Idol is going to be celebrating its final season next year, so maybe after that I oh. Okay. I can ring His up Harry The schedule might Connick open Jr. up a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. Because <laughs> he doesn't have a career besides American no. Idol.
1: No, I'm sure he'll be looking for things to do in New Jersey.
0: <laughs> so Mary McDonald, who's uh, probably best known for her role in Dances with Wolves, accepted her role in this movie immediately after her agent pitched the film by simply saying it's about 15 mile wide spaceships. Smart. I'd be in.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. The chaplain who marries Will Smith and Vivica A. Fox, he was played by Rance Howard, Ron Howard's father.
0: There's a guy who's had a lot of success making movies, huh? I'll say. So President Whitmore was originally intended to be a Richard Nixon-like figure. The role was originally written for Kevin Spacey, co-writer Dean Devlin's friend from high school. An executive at Fox refused to cast Spacey, insisting that he didn't have the potential to be a big star. Hmm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what a visionary huh? talk about a
0: guy eating crow right about yeah. now the part was rewritten and bill pullman was then cast now i had said when we were watching the movie mm-hmm. last night that i'm looking at bill pullman and he just doesn't feel presidential to me i look at him i i see lone star from space falls <laughs> and i see the character that he played in ruthless people with uh bett midler and danny devito he's got I... something about his face that just you know it makes me want to laugh more than anything what?
1: else no. I, I, not that he wasn't good in this
0: movie, but there's just something about him that
1: I always loved him in this role. Yeah. I always thought he, you know, he pulled it off. You know, one thing I always did wonder was how far into the presidency was he? Because he still kind of looks young. He's not that gray, right? You know, so I'm thinking he's got to be early in. Yeah, because everyone like if you look at you know the pictures of the presidents, they age very quickly. That's true. As much as
0: I don't really look at him as being very presidential because of the other movies he's done and his face and everything like that, he's still better than any president we've had well, in real life. Just that like goes all, just like saying. just like all movie presidents, they're right. always better in the movies. Oh you know, absolutely. Whether it's this movie, uh, the American President oh, with Michael yeah. Douglas. Yep. Kevin Klein and Dave, mm-hmm. you know, or really anybody yeah. that's played the president.
1: Ends up sitting there watching the movie thinking, why can't our real presidents be like this?
0: Yes, please. I mean, the speech he gives is phenomenal. Yeah, you yeah. Know, he does a great job with the yeah. speech. No matter what I say about whether he's presidential or not, when you're launching missiles at an alien spacecraft trying to stop their world domination, you're getting reelected. Yeah,
1: I would think so. The man in the Los Angeles office building that is destroyed in the initial attack is played by Volker Engel, who is the movie's visual effects supervisor. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay.
0: And we were talking before about how a lot of times they recycle sets and and things like that from Mm -hmm. other movies. There's another cool thing
1: in this one. Yeah, the futuristic-looking computer in the control center at Area 51. That's components of a combat system built in 1954 to protect the U.S. from Soviet bomber attack. It was the largest and heaviest computer system ever built, the full system weighing 6,000 tons and taking up an entire floor of a bomb-proof blockhouse. Wow. the (laughs) blockhouse. Components of decommissioned systems were sold for scrap and bought by film and television production companies. The components from this film had also been used in The Towering Inferno, 1974, among many others.
0: So traditionally, when Roland Emmerich does a movie, the regular film crew gives uh, several cast members nicknames by the end of filming, so... Uh, Will Smith was given the nickname Mr. Charisma,
1: Mm. rightly so. I could imagine.
0: Jeff Goldblum was nicknamed Nice because of his tendency to say nice, nice when agreeing with Emmerich's (laughs) direction. (laughs)
1: And one of my favorites, Robert Loggia, he was nicknamed the Turtle because despite his hard exterior, he was soft on the inside. Aw, nice. And Entertainment Tonight's Julie Moran received the nickname Evil because her name appears in the credits at the same time that the music turns ominous.
0: And because Entertainment Tonight is evil as well. What? No, I'm kidding. You know, all the money that they spend on special effects between the models and the pyrotechnics and the CGI and all that, sometimes the simplest things make uh, something happen on film. Mm -hmm. To achieve the look of Houston as seen from the air at night, the crew simply poked holes in a sheet of black construction paper, placed the paper in front of a bright light in a smoke-filled room, and photographed it using special lighting to accomplish the effect
1: nice that's artistry exactly
0: and another inexpensive way to make something happen on film
1: ky jelly was used to make the aliens look slimy yeah it had to be applied several times during outdoor scenes because the intense desert heat caused the jelly to evaporate in just a few minutes
0: yeah i believe it
1: yeah and they were pretty sticky looking weren't they
0: they were pretty gnarly yeah so there is a sequel to this movie that will be out next year
1: oh okay see i heard i didn't know that there was a definite date i heard that there was talks about it, yeah but. no
0: it's definitely scheduled for for next summer who's um, gonna be in it a lot of people are returning uh jeff goldblum is returning okay. vivica a fox bill pullman
1: okay will judd smith? hirsch
0: no will smith will not be in it oh it has a couple of new people i think liam hemsworth is gonna okay. be in it brent spiner is returning data yeah nice. everybody thought he was dead but uh i thought alas. so
1: too because they check his pulse and they leave him behind they it was kind of
0: left open-ended really a little bit. yeah well apparently Unless it's flashbacks, but we'll see, I ah. guess. So anything else that comes to mind when you think of this movie?
1: I remember seeing the commercials on TV and the trailers
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, always well, I mean, one of my favorite scenes, I think is one of the most simple when Will Smith goes for the newspaper in the morning when, you know, the aliens have just arrived, Yeah. you know, and he's having just a regular morning right. with his family. Yeah. He thinks he you just know. experienced
0: a minor earthquake. Yeah.
1: And he's looking, you know, and the neighbors, oh, the neighbors are leaving, you know, one yeah. little shake and they're out of here. And then he goes to get the paper and the, the it shows his profile because he's looking at the paper and then a, the corner of his eye he sees the neighbors and then he looks around and all he does is kind of look up with his eyes and then his whole head lifts up when he sees it yeah and i'll always remember that as like one of the cells of you know why i wanted to see it i just loved you know like, how can you not know that this is going on?
0: Yeah, it's actually kind of cool because all the actors, especially in New York City, too, when they're looking up at the sky and they're reacting to the the giant spacecraft, when they film those scenes, obviously, they're, they're looking up and reacting to nothing. Right, right. They're all added later in post-production. Yeah. So you got to credit mm-hmm. like all the actors and extras who can do that effectively and mm-hmm. make you really believe it. Yeah. Especially, too, like when Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum are flying in the spacecraft and they're trying to get away. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're reacting to turn left, move right. And, you know, <laughs> you just you just miss being shot at and all that. That's the director yelling at yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you have to keep your intensity up mm-hmm. as an actor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, you forget about that. When they're reacting to nothing, keeping that intensity so high. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. And the other cool thing I remember that they talked about as far as the behind the scenes thing was the scenes where the spacecraft are coming up over the city and all you're seeing is like the shadows uh, covering the cityscapes. Those were achieved by just taking like uh, cards and covering lights. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's That's great. That's pretty cool stuff.
1: You know, and one of my favorite characters in the movie is the little boy. I just think he's so cute. He's, got he's those good, too. Huge eyes. It's not one of those annoying kid characters. It's just there to have a kid there, you know?
0: Yeah. I think he adds dimension to Vivica A. Fox's character. Right, right. You know, And f- he's just sure. so
1: darn cute. Yeah. You know, I
0: mean, otherwise, she's just a stripper with a heart of gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, interesting uh, side note about that kid. He was on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Will Smith. That's right.
1: I heard that uh, he is now 26 years old. (laughs) He has finished college, and I think he went for film and broadcasting. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he's looking to get back behind the camera and possibly in front.
0: In the sequel, by the way, the daughter of President Whitmore Uh is a character in the sequel. It's a different actress playing her, though. Well, it could could have been the same actress. You know, time's passed. Well, it depends on
1: if the time difference is the same.
0: Oh, that's true. We don't know. It it seemed like it based on who the actress, who is playing her. And also a woman president played by Celia Ward is in the sequel. Oh, cool. So I guess President Whitmore is probably, you know, former President Whitmore. Retired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll find out next year, I guess.
1: Interesting. Oh, I had no idea. I can't wait to see it. Yeah,
0: I'm sure it'll be cool. Do
1: you think they'll put it out for Independence Day weekend?
0: I think the release date is actually the weekend before Independence Day.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to mark our calendars.
0: Yeah, maybe they're trying to avoid competing with something else that's coming out next Independence Day. Maybe. Well, I think that about wraps up Independence Day, at least the podcast. Hey, if you have any thoughts or screen facts of your own about this movie, or if you have any thoughts about the podcast in general, please send me an email at screenfacts at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you. Please also rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes so other people can find this podcast. And when I share links to this podcast on Facebook, when I tweet about it, or if we talk about it, whatever, please Let other people know that you think would enjoy the podcast. If people that you know are movie fans, let them know about this because uh, we want to spread the word about Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Please also check out my website, jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast for info about Screen Facts merchandise. And my lovely wife, Sue, thank you again for uh, joining me. We'll have to uh, figure out what we're going to talk about next. Okay. Well, thanks for listening and join me again next Wednesday for more Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Bye-bye.